Everybody, welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football 101. I'm your host, Jake Rip, and you are listening to the 101 of Fantasy Football Podcasts. Joining us as always, we've got the Hall Monitor, Nate Hall, and we've got D Hall on the other side of the camera. What's going on, guys? Yo, 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 yo. What up, Jake? What up? We are two weeks out from the playoffs. Ooh. The NFL just moved my Steelers game. It was perfect, Jake. It was going to be a beautiful Thanksgiving night. Drink a couple beers, all full from turkey, and they took it away from us. Nate, are you upset as as upset about the Ravens stealing Thanksgiving? I am. I am. I think it's some bullshit. Also, I I just want to go off the top of the show, Jake. I'm going to throw it on my Twitter handle right now. Oh, okay. whoa! This is listen, weird. Listen, whoa. why are we putting at the end of the podcast when people are probably bailing before we're promoting <laughs> ourselves? All right, you're not, you're not happy with your Twitter following right now, no. are you? I need more. I'm putting out quality content, putting out good tweets, and nobody nobody's hitting me up for it. So okay, ready? We're, we're gonna do this in reverse then. All yeah. right, everybody, thank you for listening to Fantasy Football 101. Go check out D Hall's podcast. That's Near Falls with D Hall on Apple, on Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcast. Oh oh oh! And Nate Hall, you know what? You should just go follow him on Twitter. Nate, why don't you go ahead and tell me how to spell that? Oh, please. D-A-H-A-L-L-M-O-N-I-T-E-R. Do it right now while you're listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you uh, right now. Let's transition into the starts of the week. (laughs) It's not Leonard Fournette. Let's get it kicked off, guys, with DJ Chark. And I know what you're thinking. Jake, you must not have heard the news. Mike Glennon, he's getting the nod for the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. And now, while I'm not particularly thrilled about Mike Glennon getting the start for Jacksonville, how big of a step down can this honestly be for the Jags receivers? They've gone from Gardner Minshew, who I don't think should even be a starter in the NFL, and obviously Jacksonville agrees with me, to Jake Luton, who stinks and whose name we've been pronouncing wrong for about three consecutive weeks. And now they're to Mike Glennon, who I just simply cannot believe would be that much worse. Once you get past the quarterback concerns, though, I love the matchup for DJ Chark. He has the Cleveland Browns. Their defense has been without cornerback Greedy Williams all season. And now former fourth overall pick cornerback Denzel Ward is on the IR with a foot injury. Uh, I think Chark has his way with this secondary in this game and that Jacksonville could even upset Cleveland. Uh, I could very well see that happening depending on how Glennon plays, but are you guys buying into the narratives that I'm presenting here with uh, DJ Chark and the offense and the holes in the uh, in the Cleveland Browns defense? Or are you a bit more squeamish about starting any receiver with Mike Glennon under center? I just want to I just want to put this out here real quick, Jake, for the followers. Listen to this. All right, Mike Glennon got benched in 2017. Okay, for Mitch Trubisky, who came in. Mitch Trubisky just got benched by Nick Foles, right? Nick Foles got benched by Gardner Minshew last year on the Jaguars. Minshew just got benched by Lutton. And now we got Glennon coming in for benched Lutton. That is the circle of life in failing quarterback 
it's, it's just poetic, really. I like that, Nate. Thanks for bringing that to the show. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no problem. What, what do you guys think? With, with Mike Glennon throwing the ball, can we start DJ Chark like I'm proposing? Because I think you can. I think Here's the thing, Jake. Uh, you know, in a game where, like you said, both the cornerbacks are out, that's huge. And Mike Glennon has been in the league and bounced around for a while. He's not some practice squad guy or seventh round pick. He's a veteran. And more likely than not, if a veteran can take care of really, really, really easy matchups. What you're hoping for with Mike Glennon is that you get some of that Fitz magic, that veteran Fitz magic. Yes. just And honestly, years ago, the Steelers went down to Tampa Bay when Mike Glennon got his first start. And the Steelers lost to him. The Steelers were a two-touchdown favorite years ago. Uh, Mike Glennon's got some game, man. It can't get any worse than Luton. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's tough to trust your fantasy assets in this. I think these guys are now flex considerations. Obviously, yeah. Robinson, Robinson's going to be a beast. The only dude you're really looking at is is DJ Chark. Obviously, you he's a high upside, low ceiling play. Very boom busty, like a decent amount of other wide receiver threes. So if you have a more solid option, it really depends on how, what you need out of your week. Yeah, absolutely. Nate, you got to look at your opponent, see if you you know kind of you got a risk uh, risk reward type of thing, and uh, that's the kind of the best way to approach these last couple games uh, as the bye weeks pretty much are non-existent at this point. Okay, let's move on to our next start of the week, and we have sort of a tandem start of the week here. I think both of the Eagles wide receivers being Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham versus Seattle need to be started, or maybe one of the two, but we can get into that in a second. Since returning to the lineup, Rager and Fulgham have practically split targets right down the middle, 19-18 in favor of Fulgham. And while Fulgham has been sort of a bust over the Eagles' past two games, just one catch in each of those games, both for eight yards, Rager has been more consistent with those two games, four receptions for 50 yards in each of those. The Eagles are this week's, like I said, they are this week's lucky recipient of the Seattle Seahawks defense that's given up the most fantasy points to wide receivers through 11 weeks. Guys, which of these two wide receivers is going to go for 150 yards and two touchdowns? Because we know it's going to happen. Is it going to be Jalen Rager, his his coming out party to the NFL? Or is it going to be another big Travis Fulgham day? Uh, Rager, Fulgham, both of them. What do we think? I think I got to lean towards Rager's coming out party here. We've been we've been hearing a lot. And the word on the street is that Ertz is coming back. I don't think that actually affects the fantasy production for these wide receivers. Honestly, I think it helps Carson Wentz because Ertz is a good pass blocker. He'll help keep that pocket clean, which Wentz has not been having a clean pocket around him lately. So I'm looking at Rager here. It's a 50-50 toss-up. I just want to lean into the fresher guy, whereas Fulgham's been playing all year. Um, so he could be ha- going through some, you know, some late season drawbacks. Rager's fresh. I think we're looking for a big game here out of him. I say start him. Fulgham's been playing all year, but he's been mostly productive when he's been in the lineup, minus these past two games that have been just a disaster. D. Hall, do you lean in the same direction, Jalen Rager over Travis Fulgham? I do, and I really like what Nate said where he's fresher. Uh, You know, this guy injured his shoulder. So with his shoulder, he was able to rehab. They gave him a bunch of time. He's back and ready to go. On top of that, his legs are fresh. He's he's going to be running crisp routes. He's going to be able to get up the field in a hurry. And a Seattle defense that we saw struggles to p- play against those guys. Um, they just kind of get shredded by everyone. So um, I think that Rager is the better play if I had the option between the two. 
And I also think Carson Wentz is a great play in daily fantasy as well. All right, let's move on to our last start of the week. That is Darius Slayton going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. And guys, my only fear in this game is that the Cincinnati offense just can't keep up. Like that game, what was it last week, Nate? The uh, the Falcons that were, uh, yeah. that, were, that were stopping the Saints from moving the ball down the field. And that affects how many passing yards uh, Taysom Hill has and how many receiving yards the receivers have. And, you know, the, the whole domino effect there. I'm worried that the Giants do end up leaning on the run after they get an early lead. But with Brandon Allen under center in week 12, it feels like that could be the scenario where they end up running the ball. However, Darius Slayton is still the wide receiver one on a Giants team whose schedule is starting to open up. Over the next three weeks, they're going to have Seattle, Cincinnati, Arizona, all bottom 10 against wide receivers in fantasy football. I think Darius Slayton is about to go on a tear, and it starts this weekend against the Bengals. Slayton's currently commanding around 40% of the team's air yards through 11 weeks. That ranks six in the league, and to put that into perspective, that's only behind Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, and DJ Moore. Pretty good company to be with. The Cincinnati defense has allowed the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers in 2020, so tell me, guys, do you think that Brandon Allen and the Bengals can put up enough points in this game to keep Daniel Jones active in the passing game? Or should we maybe be pivoting to Wayne Gallman uh, if we're going to go ahead and play one of the New York Giants this week? Who would you rather start? Uh, for me, Jake, uh, just a personal bias, I believe it's Wayne Gallman. Uh, you look at Cincinnati as far as defense, uh, running backs have been shredding them over the last couple of weeks. You know, Gallman coming off of a bye where he was looking fresh before, has extra time to get right. Um, they're going to feed him early and often. Freeman's on IR. I think it's going to be a great game for Goldman. I can, I, I think you can expect 20-plus touches in this game. Yeah, that's fine. I, I can see a world in where that's happening, but I do. I, I think I lean towards the other way and where the receivers are going to get the more of the work. Honestly, Brandon Allen was not bad last year. No, he, had, he wasn't. He had three starts with Denver, and he was really good. He helped. Uh, he pushed Cortland Sutton to have a decent couple of games with them. Um, so I don't, I can see this being a sneaky overbet, um, in terms of, I'm sure it's a, it's a low line. So I'm sure the over could possibly hit if Brandon Allen is serviceable. Um, I actually love that, the, that the Bengals, uh, chose to start him over Finley. I think it's a great move for them. Absolutely. I think Finley's terrible. Yeah. And it, it, it should help T Higgins, but don't start him. I would definitely start Darius Slate. And I think if you don't start him this week, then you're not going to start him next week or the week after. And then you're just going to be mad that you didn't start him. And after that, you're going to start chasing points. So get on the bandwagon now. Throw him in as a big boom bust flex. He could even bust for like six or seven points. So that won't kill you that much. Also, side note, I do like the other pass catcher. I like Evan Ingram in this game as well. I think he's going to get decent volume. I wanted to add a quick honorable mention here as a start. I don't usually like to add people who are playing on Thursday night because by the time you listen to this podcast, that game might have already happened, and then it's not. Call your shot, Jake. Just get it over with. J.D. McKissick. Nate, you brought him up uh, last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great play. And again, I didn't want to go into it too much. We don't have to talk about it. But I think we should mention, you know, if you happen to catch us at this episode before Thursday, get McKissick in your lineups because I think he gets back to that, like, double-digit target area in a game where they're going to have to be competitive. And um, last I saw, Terry McLaurin was questionable. If McLaurin doesn't play, I really, really, really like J.D. McKissick. He's expected to play, but I still like McKissick. Let's move on to our sits of the week. We'll get kicked off with Darrell 
Henderson versus San Francisco. Henderson went from an early season waiver wire darling to hardly playable in recent weeks. It's been since week five that we last saw Henderson eclipse 10 fantasy points and half PPR leagues. Now we have Cam Akers, who's back to a full part-time uh, workload in, in this three-headed running back monster that Sean McVay has created in Los Angeles. But between Henderson and Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers, it's always a gamble to play the guy that you think is going to fall into the end zone. However, it's starting to seem like Henderson might be least likely out of those three to be that guy at this point. Failing to reach 50 rushing yards in a game since week seven. I'm just ready to drop Darrell Henderson at this point, if you haven't already. I'm certainly not playing him against San Francisco this week. I'm curious who you guys would rather roster for the rest of the season uh, among Rams running backs. And no, Nate Hall, you cannot say none of the above. Why'd you come at me like that right away? I think it was there was a couple episodes ago you gave me a none of the above or no. Oh, you asked me like the two shittiest tight ends in the world. Who would I rather start? And I'm like, God, neither of them. Now I'm asking you the three shitty running backs in uh, Los Angeles who you'd prefer. I'd prefer Cam Akers due to fresh legs. And he has the I think he's the most probable to pop off in this backfield. But this is a backfield you're going to want to avoid until someone drops down or, or gets hurt. It's it's an RBBC. And none of them are going to be fantasy relevant. Don't start Darrell Henderson. Sit him. I agree, Nate. Sit him. And I agree with the Akers. I think Akers has the most upside. And right now, his upside is just a bench stash, purely a bench stash, um, in case they figure out that he's the best back. I would rather stash other people on a bench, too. Like deeper leagues, it's yeah. tough. It's yeah. Tough. That's what I was going to say. Is Henderson even, did you have to roster him? Can you drop him? Yeah, you could drop him. You could probably drop him. There's, I don't see a scenario where you want to start him. There's other. He's just a low end. He's a low end flex play. You know, very low end. A lot of people. I would assume people that have Henderson and been playing him probably don't have a good record. No, they're probably. He's just been killing people. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to our next sit of the week and talk about Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's going up against the Chicago Bears. And I have to admit, he's been pretty much off my radar this season as far as fantasy football goes. But MBS has been fairly solid over the past couple of weeks for Green Bay. He gives you 50 yards and two touchdowns against San Francisco. And then he follows that up with 150 yards and a touchdown versus Jacksonville. Last week, we saw that production decline to the tune of five fantasy points against Indianapolis, which I mostly attribute that performance to two key factors. Number one, Indianapolis being a top eight defense against fantasy football wide receivers. It was just a bad matchup in general. And number two, you have Alan Lazard returning from the IR. And Lazard was lightly used in this game. You know, Green Bay eased them back into action, but I've got to believe that he's going to be full go in week 12 against the Chicago Bears and take back that wide receiver two position for the Packers. Do you guys think that Lazard can get back to the production that we saw from him earlier this season? He had a 150-yard and a touchdown game himself back in week three. And then will will MVS stay fantasy relevant with Lazard active? Jake, I think this is pretty, pretty clear to look at. The the writing's on the wall with MVS. You don't want to start him this week. Everything you mentioned is completely and 100% true. The, the defense is tough. Very stout defense. These games are usually gritty and ugly between the Bears and Packers. Divisional game, rivalry. They know what each, each other's teams got. Lazard coming back. Yes, I would I would rather have Lazard rest of the season than MVS. And I would rather have Lazard in Dynasty. It's 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 pretty simple. 
Um, you know what you're getting with MVS. We've seen him in the past. Lazard still has that raw talent that is yet to be uh, un- unleashed, really. And with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, we we see Rodgers likes his kids. So it, it's pretty clear. Sit MVS. And honestly, if you can find someone like Slayton on the waiver wire, he could be out there. I would way rather go with him. You got to pause because I think Slayton's available in my one league. <laughs> run, Donnie. Run, run, run. <laughs> Will MVS stay fantasy relevant with Lazard? No, Jake, not at all. If you If our loyal listeners go back, and they remember, I'm a big, big Adam Lazar guy. Is that is that Alan Lazard's brother? <laughs> That's like the two Curries in the league. Oh, man. Alan Lazard. I like Alan Lazard. And like we said, little known fact, last year, Thanksgiving, Alan Lazard over Mr. Rogers' house. Uh, I, I like Alan Lazard a lot more than MVS. Sid MVS, I agree. Quick Thanksgiving question. Mm. What does Alan Lazard bring to a Thanksgiving? Is he bringing the sweet potatoes? Is he bringing the stuffing? He's definitely he's a, not. No, you know what he is? He's a baked mac and cheese guy. I was going to say, he seems like a mac and cheese type of guy. He just seems like he's a chill dude. Like, you know, yeah, some man, mac and cheese. I, I got the mac and cheese, man. I got yeah, it. Yeah, I, got yeah. it. I, I, I agree. Let's move on to our last sit of the week, and that is Damian Harris going up against the Arizona Cardinals. It isn't a particularly difficult matchup for Damian Harris, and he's been a hot name in fantasy football over the past few weeks. He's gotten the majority of carries for New England since Sony Michelle went on the IR, but just last week, the Patriots decided to make Sony Michelle a healthy scratch. And while all of that sounds like positive news for Damian Harris, and it might be, I don't anticipate a solid fantasy performance this week against Arizona because, newsflash, Arizona's offense is really good. Uh, Kyler Murray can sling it. They're going to score points. I sense New England is going to struggle in this game to keep pace with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and even the running back tandem that they have of Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. This is a game where I might prefer to play James White over Damian Harris. Do you guys think that that's crazy? Is anyone here on Damian Harris this week? What do you think? No, I agree, Jake. I'm not on him at all. I just I'm never really on a Patriots running back. If I did have to pick one out, I would go with James White just because I think it's going to be a negative game script. And I think he's going to get a lot of passes out of the backfield. Yeah, I'm good on Damian Harris. I would try to get, uh, you know, pivot to a different situation. Let's move on to our favorite segment of the week. And that's shaking in my boots. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. And we're going to get it kicked off with, I like using this word today. I'm going to keep using this running back tandem of Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon. And we talked earlier this week about how losing Joe Burrow affects T. Higgins. I think he's droppable. You guys want to hang on to him all season for some reason. That's fine. Oh, but we now know that it won't be Ryan Finley taking over. Instead, Instead, Cincinnati decides to call upon ex-Broncos quarterback Brandon Allen as the team starter in Week 12. In the three games that Allen started in Denver last season, I think it's important to note that he only targeted Philip Lindsay five times across those three games. That averaged out to just be one catch per game for Philip Lindsay with Allen under center. There were already concerns regarding Joe Mixon's receiving usage with Joe Burrow in the lineup. He just never seemed to be hitting that ceiling that we think he can hit. You know, I definitely think he has the skill set to be able to hit. 
But if Brandon Allen doesn't end up having that tendency to target the running back, what can we expect from the Cincinnati running back position rest of the season with Gio and Joe Mixon? Because up until now, it's been pretty valuable. Even when Gio's had to step in for Joe Mixon, he's been balling out. He's been producing. So, yeah, what do you guys expect from uh, the Cincinnati running backs for the rest of the year? It's tough, Jake. With Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon, it's really tough this year because uh, Joe Mixon going down and now Giovanni Bernard's banged up. You almost kind of got to have, you know, in a league where running backs are premium, you know, you got to have three or four deep. You can't get caught with your pants down with no running back. So Samaj P. Ryan is someone that you need to consider. He looks decent whenever he has the ball in his hands. So that's someone else to consider. But for Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon. Yeah, I, I, or, give me a worry meter on them. Yeah, so so he, for Joe Mixon, I pretty much view Joe Mixon as done for the year, essentially. I think it's going to take him a little bit to get back. But for as far as fantasy goes, if I'm worrying about him, I'm either in the semifinals or the championship. I'm happy to be there. I'll figure that out whenever the time comes. For now, I'm operating as Gio is my guy. Before uh, Mr. Joe Burrow went down, I viewed him as a top 20 running back. Now you can't, you know, he's, you know, top 30 at best with, you know, possibly a downside of top 40. So I have to be somewhat worried. I have him at a six right now, Jake. Can I just say, I love Donnie's optimistic perspective in regards to fantasy football. What what did you say there? Something about uh, as long as I make the playoffs, I'm happy. I'll figure it out from there. I'm just glad to be there. I yeah, love semifinals I'm, or championship. I love that message. We'll we'll keep pushing that. That's the the official slogan of fantasy football. I'm just yeah. happy to be here. Happy. Let's let's figure it out from there. One step at a time, baby. Nate, are you worried about Geo and or Joe Mixon? These dudes are boned. Oh, I agree. I don't uh, disagree with you at all, they're, honestly. They're boned. This team is never going to be able to hashtag establish the run. They're never going to hashtag move the chains. They're this team is going to be struggling. Uh, they're going to be one of those teams that barely get in the red zone. They're it's going to be it's going to be rough for them. My worry level, Jake, is an eight. All right. Well, let's move on to the next guy and shaking on shaking in my boots while we still have five minutes to go on this show. Next guys, plural. Next guys. I feel like this one might take a minute. But guys, are you worried about Ronald Jones because... Are you worried about Leonard Fournette because... Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. Ronald Jones rushed for 24 yards on 10 carries, whereas Fournette also struggled with just 17 yards on 7 carries. However, he saved his fantasy day with a touchdown. I need one of you guys to tell me what Bruce Arians is doing with this backfield because one minute Fournette's the guy. All of a sudden, it's Rojo, and then they want to lean more on Lenny. I mean, you guys prefer Rojo over Fournette still rest of season? I don't prefer either of them, Jake. I think it's complete down the middle 50-50 I, well, I, like, I just feel like they lean on Fournette with the majority of the receiving work. At the same time, Fournette is the guy that they defer to in the red zone. He's getting all of the high opportunity touches that are going to lead to fantasy points, whether or not he's being efficient with those touches right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, Jake. I think it's just you, your love for Fournette blinds you, man. You, you had to look at you know where we're at. It's a complete 50-50 split. Yes, it's a nicer 50-50 split. You play both guys as flexes. It's not as bad as, say, what we got going on in L.A. with the Rams or what we got going on in Denver with those two running backs. It's definitely a better situation because that offense is more explosive and more scoring opportunity. But at the same time, it's a 50-50 split, and you really don't feel great about starting either one. 
Tell me this, Nate. If one of these guys is to go down rest of season, what is the other guy rest of season? They're top 15 RB. Oh, yeah. bigger than that, dude. If I mean they're you can they're probably pushing that now. With that playoff schedule, top top ten, probably, honestly. Ah, bro, he's top five. I'll be the bold one and say it. If you're not going top to five, no. I don't know about top five, Jake. No There's way. a lot yeah. of good dudes at the top. If he's gonna get all the carries and all the receptions and all the touchdown work, Fournette's top five. Rojo might be top ten, but Fournette would be top five. Oh my god, Four, Rojo's done better when he's got the ball than Fournette has. Rojo's had a multiple hundred yard rushing games uh, this year and with multiple RB one. Fin- yeah, with with Fournette in there, he's had multiple RB one finishes. Man, Rojo's the better back in this backfield. Is, I'm on Team Rojo. That is so wrong. He is. We can all right. We'll pick a different episode because I'm sure we'll need some content in the off season to chat about, and we can kill like three. Oh, uh, we're doing. We're just gonna do a Rojo versus Fournette documentary. Nobody's gonna listen to that. Yes, I will three we're, times. We're gonna, we're gonna have like five viewers. Just a whole. <laughs> I love it. A whole separate podcast. It's just Rojo versus Fournette that we can run. I won't through. be on for those episodes. <laughs> yeah, I won't be either. That's all you, Donnie. It'll just be Donnie talking to himself for three hours. Oh, I'll do it. I'll I can do both sides. Let's move on, guys. The last guy that we're going to talk about in shaking in my boots, and it kills me, guys, but Julio Jones. And he's going to be a bit of a surprise here, I know, on, on shaking in my boots, his first appearance, I believe. Uh, but I wanted to get more of a dynasty perspective on Julio Jones because we are looking at a guy who's 32 years old. He's on the back end of his career, and now he's got these nagging injuries that are preventing him from staying on the field. He's still producing like the elite wide receiver that he is when he's healthy. I'm just not sure how much longer he can sustain these wide receiver one numbers, especially when you have Calvin Ridley looking like a true superstar wide receiver in this league who's just closing that gap little by little, you know, week by week every time they play. I I just fear the end is near with Julio Jones. You guys got to give me... uh, Two worry meter, two worry meter readings. I want to know how you feel about him in redraft, uh, rest of season, and I want to know how you feel about him in dynasty. And maybe tell me, what do you think you could get for Julio in a dynasty trade? I'll start, Jake, and I'll start with the dynasty side of things. Uh, for worry meter for dynasty, I think it's time to start f- uh, dusting off that for sale sign for him and put it out there in the league message as soon as the season's over hopefully he has a good rest of the season to finish off, let his value climb a little bit and then sell him high. I think you you could definitely get a first round pick for him still. Someone that thinks that they're just one piece away dynasty wise to get a consistent wide receiver one uh, that's going to put them over the top. I would definitely make that trade if I was a good team. Um, Rest uh, redraft season, uh, rest of season for redraft. I think you have to be concerned. He can't really get healthy. He can't stay on the field with, He's like you said, Jake, he's getting older. He has these nagging, nagging injuries. And on top of it, Matt Ryan has not been the best this year. He's been really up and down, um, especially when Julio has been out. So it's just been all around. It's been really tough for the Falcons. And I think that, you know, Julio is someone that, you know, you're probably going to have to start. Um, but, you know, he's another guy that if he's on your team. He's, you probably don't have a good record. He's been hurting a lot of teams this year. Nate, how worried are we about Julio touchdown Jones? Mm, I think Donnie said it best. It, it's tough. I mean, you're not going to be able to pivot away from him. You're going to have to play him rest of the season now with most leagues trade deadlines over. Um, and you just got to hope for the best, man. You you got to hope he can get healthy and get right and get those targets. 
I was thinking, you know, while you guys were talking in, in dynasty, what I would offer for Julio and I can't muster up much. Uh, I'm a, my team right now is definitely uh, t- in contention for winning the league. I think that I would be the only, you know, only the top three teams would want to go after someone like this, knowing that you're not going to get many more years out of them. You're going to win. If you're winning now, this is the type of guy you want to go after. Yeah, it's a win now move if you're going for Julio. Oh, absolutely. You can't be planning to win in three years because that might not even be an option. I would never get one of, never get rid of one of my young superstars for this guy. I think probably a mid first round pick is. If, if, if the other team's going for rebuild, probably too much still. I mean, I, I don't think I would pay that. Like, Nate, I, I have your first round pick for 2021, which is likely going to be the last pick in the first round. Then I wouldn't trade that pick for Julio Jones. You wouldn't? No. Not right now with his, with his injury concerns, but I would if he was healthy. But, Drake, you're in a rebuild mode, right? So, like, that's well, not that's- value to you. I would, if, if I would have had my first, if, if, the Julio owner would have took my first round pick for Julio. I would have done that in a second because that would have helped my team massively for this year. Okay, guys. Well, we we did an outro earlier, so I, I'm <laughs> kind of I don't know what to do right now. I'm frozen. I've never been in this spot. What do you suggest? Okay, I put us in this situation. Get right? us out, get us out, Nate. So I'm gonna go with something super simple, super quick, and say, everyone, I hope you win your weeks. Have a good week. See ya. Happy football.